Hey, Colin, it's Chris Shorb calling in. I just uh, started listening to episode 174, which I guess happened about a week or two after your one-year anniversary, and uh, that was in early July of last year. So I guess right now is is probably your two-year anniversary. So hey, congratulations on two years. Great stuff. I've been enjoying your podcast, and it uh, looks like I got about 100 odd episodes to go to get completely caught up. Wanted to talk about, uh, you had a conversation about the Ennies and you brought up fraudulent voting and I'm, I don't know, I'm just not so clear that that's going to be an issue. Um, I don't know that people care that much to, I think most people at heart are actually honest people and most people will vote just once. Um, that said, there's just no way that some one person could have played every single one of the games that's nominated. And so ultimately you do have to just vote for who you know and who you like. And other folks, unfortunately, are going to get a short shrift. So that's just my thoughts on it. Take care. Hi there. I'm Colin Green. You're listening to Spike Pit. But this is not one of my normal episodes. I'm calling these episodes my drive-by episodes, wherein... I speak a little bit more candidly about the things that are on my mind. I'll be pulling less punches, maybe biting a bit less on my tongue. Now, if you think that's perhaps not such a good thing, then this is not the episode for you. Remember, this is a drive-by. So, Chris, rather astutely has worked out Indeed, it is about two years now, July 2018, that I started this podcast after perhaps six months or maybe seven months of doing call-ins to different shows. Uh, I I went on my own and started the podcast. I um, have put together a bit of an bit of an odd episode really it's a contentious one I would say Chris touched on the ennies there and he's got more to say before I play Chris's message I I would say regarding the ennies I know what he's saying it does seem natural people are gonna vote for the folk they like and the the personalities of the the various designers and uh, publishers are, are going to be a factor. But as a member of the buy-in public, I, I'm not too sure how useful that is to me for gauging the quality of a product. So, um. Are, are these types of awards just a kind of um, an enjoyable diversion, perhaps? A, a, a way to kind of uh, get some enjoyment from your hobby? I, I don't really, I don't really know what their function is, and I, I, I'm not that interested, really. Uh, there's so many other things to spend your time on. I'm I'm really not too concerned who or who isn't getting any. I certainly won't be getting involved in voting or anything. But 
At the same time, if there's something you enjoy, is something you, you get immersed in or you, you like considering your opinion about doing a little bit of research, more power to you, I would say. Um, don't let me um, spoil your fun. Hey, Colin. Uh, this is Chris Shorb calling about uh, episode 174, the one where you kind of ranted about ennies and cancel culture. And I've tried to record this message uh, several times, and I guess I don't know why I'm, I'm trying hard because you seem to be someone who adjusts their perspective based on new evidence. And so I thought I'd give you a call uh, and just say that for myself, as a cis hetero male, I have only recently come to acknowledge my privilege and how that privilege has benefited me in the world, and also to start to recognize, in some small part, the ways in which I've harmed others and traumatized others. And that trauma that I've caused others is, is something that I've started to work on. I'm nowhere near finished. I'm only at the beginning. But uh, with all that said, your conclusions about cancel culture that you kind of ranted about, I do not come to the same conclusions and don't agree. Thanks. Bye. Responding to you directly, Chris, uh, sorry you had a struggle making this call in. I appreciate your effort, however, I'm going to do my best to perhaps give you some sort of reply. The episode you refer to, 174, was uh, a year ago, and it relates to events a year before that. So the whole thing goes back two years, basically. A year ago, I would say I was getting pretty frustrated with the hobby, the kind of addition wars and trolling that goes on with the internet is is frustrating to me. I think a lot of people are, are playing these games and, and really should be getting on, but they, dis, they decide to have um, disagreements over the slightest thing and, and, and get quite nasty about it and make things very personal so I touched on that in in my episode the idea of me making conclusions about cancel culture I feel like they're your words I, I didn't talk about um, cancel culture in those terms the the episode was referring to uh, really the way that at the time of, I think it was the 2018 Ennis, uh, Jason Hobbs was nominated for Hobbs and Friends at the OSR. He put out an episode for his pretty much favourite game system at the time, had an interview with what later became, um, well, it came to light later that the 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 guest had a lot of um, negative associations with gaming and, and, and politics, etc. I'm trying not to be very specific on purpose. And the whole guilty by association thing blew up. Um, at the time, I thought, I, I enjoyed the episode in question. 
listening to it, I, I got no indication that there there was a, a problem with the guest, uh, and and then it then it all went crazy. I don't I don't think it's to this day really been resolved, and because of the timing and the connection with the Ennis, I thought that some some folk used this 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 negative publicity to give themselves a boost or their friends a boost and that's what I was saying. I also explained that that was a gut feeling and I, I, I'm not saying that there any further evidence ever came to light that there was skullduggery and I don't know, it just it just soured the whole Ennis thing for me. Also, the guilty by association thing, you're, if you're not with us, you're against us type of mentality, I'm not sure I, I agree with that. And I don't really agree with the idea of shutting down channels of communication by just... Um, what is it, de-platforming people or whatever. I can see that individuals might want to um, be made aware of certain situations. That that makes sense. If someone's being abusive and things like that, I understand all of that. But if you've got a podcast and unknowingly you have somebody on, they're not talking about the the contentious issue, they're just talking about gaming. As a listener or an interviewer, how are you really supposed to know what's going on maybe behind the scenes? I play messages all the time on my show. Am I vetting the callers? No, I'm not. If, if it came to light uh, that people who were calling in were, were very disagreeable or um, there was some sort of scandalous behaviour. You know, I would, and it came to my attention, you know, I, I would have to, I would have to f think about that. You know, I, I, I don't want to give publicity to, to, to ob um, abusive people but the question the question i always pops into my mind is who do you listen to and how how do you unravel what what is true what are just allegations so i i get i get very uncomfortable when people start telling me i've got to do something because they say so because someone else said so and you, you're getting all this third or fourth or fifth or whatever hand information. So that's what I was talking about. And I was sort of specifically looking at this this issue that sprang up um, with, with Hobbs. And it was difficult. It was very difficult to me because... There's a guy who, who I've got to know through his podcast and through calling in and everything else. 
And on a personal level, I wasn't happy with the the way he got got treated. And it took me at that time a year to kind of come up with anything. And it was only the sort of fact that the the Yenis came round another year round uh, that it it sort of stirred it all up again for me. And it seems to be once again every time the Yenis come round, it's it's just troublesome to me. So uh, I'm sorry if you've taken offence and I'm glad you're speaking out about not agreeing. It sounds like you're, 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 you're trying to do your best to improve yourself, be the best person you can. So, you know, I've got to applaud that. I'm not into... I've got to say, you... With a one-minute message, it's, I appreciate it's very difficult to perhaps fully explain yourself. Not totally sure what aspects of what I said you didn't agree with. And, um, yeah, so if you want to discuss it further or anybody else has got anything to say, the uh, the door is open. Spike Pit. It's Andy Goodman from Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks calling in again i uh i've stopped doing my um my own um rambly podcast and i'm just doing actual plays now which is probably uh the great detriment of my listenership but um but i uh, i use the call-ins now to other people's shows to get my thoughts out so um yeah i notice you know you you and um and beckelheimer we're both talking about this um, this kind of reaction and your reaction to the reaction <laughs> when you're asking about a specific game and, and changes and then people get very defensive or offensive even about, about you asking that very question. And I've observed this a lot on social media, particularly on Facebook groups, Reddit, wherever. And um, I'm pretty sure that there is one reason and one reason only that people react this way. Um, they're not they're not really trying to be unhelpful, but they're feeling um, they're feeling that you're actually criticising their game of choice by asking that question. And I think it's in this certain. You know, and I, th- I think you only really see it in the in the big games, you know, in the five E's and the, the Pathfinders, the sort of mainstream games, where where that idea of critiquing the game is anathema, really, um, because you're either in or you're out, and it actually defines the, your game, your group, and your ideology to some extent. And and really, I, I think the most most obvious place you see it. And I think this gives the real tell. This is the real tell, the real giveaway. Um, is a lot of these groups, particularly the big 5e Facebook groups, they specifically say this is a place for only talking about 5e. If you want to criticise the game, go somewhere else. It doesn't literally say that, but it more or less says that. And, and that's where I think this reaction is coming from, where a simple question about um, why don't we do it this way 
is implicitly saying i don't like this system and i don't understand why you like it <laughs> or or there must be a better way of doing it and then people get defensive people get tribal people get defensive that's 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 my thought on it yeah whatever so I included this call in from Andy. I thought it was kind of relevant. It's it's along the lines of the, if you're not with us, you're against us. You're in or you're out. Um, you 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 can't you can't have a discussion without people getting super defensive. It's about communication and discussion and the breakdown thereof. So. Um, didn't know really quite how to tackle this. I, I did record another episode and ended up binning it. So you'll notice at the start, Andy's talking about the fact that he, he's not really doing a podcast. Well, since I received this message, that has in fact changed. So uh, apologies to Andy for hanging on to this one for a little while. Um, I haven't really got too much to add. I, f- I think Andy's kind of summed things up very nicely. I do find it kind of sad that things are like that, but I don't know. Maybe there's a workaround. Is it really a problem? In fact, um, it reminds me of something that Lonely Adventure was talking about one time. It seemed that he'd he'd been put off of playing fifth edition to a certain extent because of the reception that he'd got from the community. And listening to his recounting of... Um, exchanges it 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 did sound like you know if i'd have been in his position it it would have been very demoralizing so all the talk of inclusivity and changing the game which i I fully understand for racial reasons i think people do need to do something about the community that that is clearly not very inclusive in in some other ways you know you you you're you're not allowed to question stuff and I, I don't know i'm going on what andy says because if i get involved in kind of communities like that i'm i'm very quick just to throw in the towel and say I, i'm not interested in this discussion it's going nowhere if if it's very obvious that people are engaging in a discussion with their minds already firmly made up, they're not looking for a debate. They're they're just like trolling people or wanting to get their opinion out, and 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 they're just gonna say what they gotta say, regardless of of any sort of sensible exchange. And you know that, that's up to them. But I don't I don't find that very productive when I'm trying to get to the bottom of things a little bit. Who have we got next? More disgruntled folk? Hey, Colin. That was a great episode, and I thought you brought up a lot of really good points on why it's better to not release a single uh, campaign world book as opposed to releasing you know, bits and pieces of the world in separate books. But I do think you missed the main reason why Wizards isn't doing that. And that's because you can make a hell of a lot more money selling the world piecemeal than you can and giving 
away the whole world in one book. And that's what Wizards, as a company owned by a major corporation, is most concerned with, is making money. And so I don't think... Yeah, I, I, I think that's why they do it. I don't think it has anything to do with making it more useful at the table or anything. They just realize you can make a lot more money selling these smaller books for the same price that you would sell a single campaign book. Anyway, man, great stuff. Keep it up. Peace out. Yeah, of course, Hasbro, they, they're, they're motivated by the desire to make money. They're a, they're a business to stay afloat. They, they've got to sell stuff. I understand that. But if they wanted to produce a Forgotten Realms book, a big campaign book, I think they could do that. But I've got to think that they don't believe there's a strong market there for it. I mean, I'm certainly not that interested. Maybe their research points to the fact that it's not a wanted thing. I don't think it's really a decision just... Uh, driven by the desire to make money. I think they want to kind of introduce different worlds, other worlds, bring in um, their uh, other IPs, stuff from Magic the Gathering. Um, And as an end user, I think we're getting more detail and and a more usable product. If this if this decision that they've made is proving to be successful, yeah, they're going to make more money. But um, I, I don't I don't think that is really the the main motivation for the design choice that they've taken. I, th- I think there's more to it than that. Uh, obviously, super high up on their agenda is the desire to make cash. Hey, Colin Lonely again. Just finished listening to 281. Uh, I guess a clarification. I didn't mean to particularly single out Watsy as being the only one who's putting out uh, kind of bloated books. I think it's just a trend in the industry the last, man, geez, 20 years, I guess. Um, I think they're the kind of touchstone just because most of us are familiar with their material, so we all, all have a point of reference. But uh, they're by no means the only ones uh, guilty of it. And I think part of it is like their target audience is not Dungeon Masters. Their target audience is broader than that they want lots of people to buy the books and get the experience of participating in the game the fiction just by reading it uh and so they're picking them up more as like artifacts for the lore and the story and so then how it plays at the table is kind of a secondary concern that's just my own pet theory i have no idea if that's any basis in reality for that but that's how they come across to me Sorry about the noise, I'm out for my walk. Uh, on the opposite of the spectrum, though, you know, I picked up uh, Secret of Bone Hill, Village of Hamlet, and a bunch of old modules a year or two ago, and had no idea how to engage with them. There just seemed like endless lists of monstrous treasures and dungeons that you might find them in, but no sense of setting or what the game would be. Uh, so I think there's a middle ground. You mentioned Tomb of the Serpent King. I think that's a great example. It's got enough atmosphere to it, uh, but not so much that you can't just plug it into your own game. And it's laid out in a very DM-facing way that I really, really appreciated when I ran that. Uh, Mothership is another great example of that. So yeah, give me flowcharts, give me bullet lists of uh, NPC character traits and motivations and goals. A uh, nice little point crawl map. And for crying out loud, give me a beautiful isometric map where I can just see what's in the room so you don't have to waste 500 words describing the desk that I can just see on the map. <laughs> anyway, 
my uh, my thoughts. Okay, final comment, I promise. Uh, something I said triggered a thought, but you know, for me, I want that nice, concise bullet list that uh, just gives me a rundown of the evil sorcerer and his motivations and goals, and I can roll with that, and it's easily accessible to me, but maybe a newer GM does need that higher word count to really kind of wrap their brains around it. Uh, maybe I am bringing, as an experienced dungeon master, game master, Maybe I'm bringing a bunch of knowledge and skills to that list that make it useful for me. So, hmm, that's something to think about. Trying to, going to try and sit here and put myself into the shoes of someone who's never run a game again, a game before, and uh, think about what would be best for them. Hmm, interesting. So, I haven't got too much to add to what Lonely Adventure is saying there. He's made some great points around things that I haven't given a whole lot of thought to perhaps you know such as who is what's his target audience clearly uh, it is not specifically aimed at dms and a few people have said this you know some people are buying these books just to kind of read them uh, reading rpg books i imagine is is potentially a hobby in itself especially if you're struggling to get into a game for whatever reason, uh, there's a sort of a vicarious enjoyment that can come from watching other people play. The rise of the actual play uh, experience uh, and media is, has been, I would say, fairly meteoric. And there, there must be people watching these things, then picking up the books and maybe kind of reading along. I don't know. It's well beyond my experience, and uh, I'm I'm just surmising. Much like Lonely Adventurer is is explaining, he is too. But it is it is interesting. And the other thing that he mentions is how how difficult it can be to put yourself back in the shoes of someone starting out in the hobby when you've been playing since the early 80s, for example. You you can, I don't know, you can maybe maybe be a little bit sort of harsh about certain things or set in your ways. I, I do think a lot of us get set into our ways. We perhaps talk about having a problem with our game and then when people make suggestions you, you kind of uh you 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 push back suggesting that well we've already we've always done things like this well things are not going to improve if you keep on doing things the way you've always done them if you if you identify a problem i feel like you've got to make changes to improve stuff uh, i don't know if that's a little bit of the uh that defensive reaction coming in again that um, Andy was talking about so Lonely Adventurer he, he wasn't sold on some of the older modules and the next calling is third calling a hat trick in this episode for Chris Shorb and he's not a massive fan of some of those older rules editions some of that dodgy old basic stuff Hey Colin, it's Chris Shorb, and I just listened to your 100th uh, podcast, so congratulations. I know you're way past that. Maybe I'll be caught up by the time you get to your 300th episode. Uh, but, you know, there was one thing you were having at that time. You were having a conversation around BX and Beckney, 
And, you know, it's funny, by the time those two versions of uh, D&D came out, I was already moved on to AD&D. The set that I started with was Holmes Blue Box, and uh, um, I don't have particularly fond memories of it, except that it was my first my first dungeon. I do remember that blue, original blue map. But I remember as soon as Advanced D&D came out, I bought the Monster Manual. My buddy bought the Player's Handbook and then the Dungeon Master's Guide. And that was like, you know, that was Advanced. And for me, 12, 13-year-old me, of course I was playing Advanced. We never went back to Holmes Basic. Thanks. Bye. Bit of a struggle putting that episode together. I hope it didn't come across as too disjointed. Some real valuable call-ins. Not always easy to discuss these things but I've endeavoured to do my best so we heard from Chris Shaw, Andy Goodman of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks Joe of Hindsightless and the Wheel or Woe podcast and Lonely Adventurer from Camping with Owlbears thanks for calling in guys as you all know I rely on these call-ins it kind of is the reason for me starting the podcast and two years in it seems to be working out all right i've had my ups and downs as we all do but that's life i guess thank you for listening to this spike pit drive-by episode if you've enjoyed the show consider spreading the word via social media take care Catch you later. Spike Pit, Andy Goodman here, Expedition to the Grizzly Pigs. I think you know how I feel about this. You are gatekeeping. You are not being inclusive. Make shit up. Make shit up. You are gatekeeping all those people out there who want to make crap up. I'm going to boycott your product and I'm going to cancel you on Twitter. But if I ever hear that you're letting in people who want to make up a load of old bollocks, that'll be the frigging end of it, mate. The end of it.